You're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 522. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the Spurs Cast. Joining me for this episode is Project Spurs' founder, Michael DeLeon. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I feel like I was like kind of like uh, in like another world or something for a while because I just moved and didn't have any internet, no like uh, no connection to the outside world or whatever. So, but finally, I got it back, and I'm ready to to I guess talk about the latest uh, Spurs games stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because uh, you and I have been, you know, texting back and forth uh, during that transition for you, yeah. um, and so I just know how you, how you did it with some few days without internet. I mean, it's just, you know, in 2018, if I don't have, my, you know, if I don't have internet, you know, my laptop, my iPad, it's just, it's like, it's like going camping or something. So, yeah, um, I'm glad to hear that that you got it back, and now you can obviously, you know, come on here on the Spurs Cast, and we can have some conversation about the Spurs. Okay, Mike. So let's go ahead and get into um, this Spurs Cast episode. We have five main topics today. Uh, the first topic is we're going to we're going to go ahead and recap the last three games since I last recorded a week ago. Um, Spurs Cast five hundred twenty one. So um, in the last three games, the Spurs have continued to play well, uh, except for one you know very surprising loss, which we'll get to. Uh, they beat the Clippers. They surprisingly lost to the Bulls, like I just mentioned. Mentioned, and then they they also, in a way, almost like a surprise, they beat the Seventy Sixers pretty handily. Um, so let's get into some of these. Um, these specific games so on thursday mike last week the spurs played the clippers they hosted them uh it was the spurs's biggest win of the season they they won that game by 38 points um you know at 10 52 in the second quarter they went up by 15 and then the clippers got it within four but then in the second half san antonio just dominated uh three big takeaways from that game um you know they held the clippers uh to 30 points in the second half and below 90 points overall there was no Lou Williams for the Clippers, and he was a player who did give the Spurs some fits in their previous game in L.A. And then uh, seven players were in double figures, and DeRozan only had to score 14. Uh, then, Mike, on Saturday, the Spurs hosted the Chicago Bulls. Now, you know, the, the Sp- this is an interesting game. Uh, you know, the Spurs were ba- early on. They were favored by 13. Uh, then the Bulls announced that, that Zach Levine would be out, and, of course, we knew Jabari Parker was out. So when Levine went out, the game line from Vegas actually went up to only Spurs by nine. So Vegas thought that with Levine out, I know. Uh, this, the, 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 the Bulls are actually going to be a little bit better um, you know, in that more competitive, I would say. So this one looked like a blowout early on. The Spurs went up by 21, and with uh, 10.48 left in the third quarter, it looked like they were just going to walk away with the game. However, the Bulls' the Bulls' defense really put the, the Spurs' offense in a grind, or in a bind, should I say. Uh, they held San Antonio to 16 points in the third quarter and then 15 points in the fourth quarter. So it wasn't really the Spurs' defense you know that, that was their problem. They held the Bulls to 98, but they did not score enough you know they only scored 93 points total so the bulls came back and won that game by five points then uh like i just mentioned on monday the spurs hosted the 76ers um this is a big win for the spurs again they won by 27 points um you know with 8 13 left in the third quarter they were up by 15 they went on to hold a 29 point lead at one time uh for philly it was the second out of a back-to-back it was their second game back with jimmy butler after he had been out for a few games with the um with the groin injury um, the Spurs continue to play great defense, you know, like they've been doing during this homestand. Only one bad defensive quarter against Philly, and then uh, they felt they held Philly under 100. So I know that's a lot of information. Um, what are some of your takeaways from those last three games? You know, it's really weird because you know they had that run of like four straight or whatever, and, and you know they were scoring a bunch of points, and and then all of a sudden this Bulls game comes along, so it's like it's totally opposite, and. They're unable to put up the points because what they had been doing in that stretch is they had been scoring a ton and they had been keeping a lot of teams under, you know, 100, which is a pretty good defensive, uh, probably a pretty good defensive rating in, in that time. And like I said, the Bulls, which everybody expected, okay, that's definitely going to be game number five and everything kind of gets flipped. And then last night, 
I think even though it was a, the second of a back to back, I I think a lot of people expected the Seventy Sixers to win this one, and um, yeah, they did. They just blew them out. It was crazy. The other thing I was going to say also, especially in the last three games, is Rudy Gay has just been there. It seems like every night, and he's really starting to uh, get comfortable with with the way things are going on the floor. And he's just, uh, you know, he's got the confidence to take his shots and things like that. And he's really been there those last few games, especially in, probably throughout this entire streak before they lost to the Bulls game. So it's, it's been nice to see him play as well as he has. I think that's a great point you just brought up. And, and we're going to talk about Rudy Gay in a little bit. Um, actually, I'm going to talk focus more on his defense in a little bit later. But I want to talk about his offense, though, because that's a good point you just brought up. Um, if you actually think about it. It was in game. Uh, it was in this. It was uh, seven games ago against the Lakers in LA when the Spurs lost. You know, on the road. It was their last road game, basically. Now on that night, Rudy went for thirty-one points, which is season high for him. And it was the first night he went for t- for at least twenty points. So it was the first game where DeRozan, Aldridge, and Rudy Gay all scored twenty or more in the same game. Well, since then, it's happened now twice where the three of them have gotten twenty-point scoring nights. It just happened against Philly recently, also. And uh, they're now two and one when that happens. So I think that's a great point that you that you just brought up is that Rudy Gay is now starting to hit his stride offensively. While in a little bit, I'm going to get into some of the, the numbers defensively on why I think he's he's a huge improvement as well. Um, okay, Mike, so let's go ahead and um, you know dive a little bit down into this um, into this uh, this homestand that everybody's talking about the six game homestand. Uh, it was the longest homestand for the Spurs this season. Uh, you know they basically went five and one. They could have basically gone undefeated except for that Bulls game snuck up on them. Uh, so some of the numbers on this homestand, what are they doing well? Uh, they're basically playing with the efficiency of a 73-win team during this homestand. They're second offensively, scoring 120.7 points per 100, and eighth defensively, scoring 103.7 points per 100. And these are according to cleaning the glass because on cleaning the glass, they do take out a lot of the garbage time minutes. So I know that if you go to like NBA.com or some other stat sites, uh, they may say like first and second offensive and defensively. But that's, you know, once the blowouts, you know, the game's over. So this is like real, you know, um, data that's competitive data. They're second offensively and eighth defensively during the homestand. Uh, like you just mentioned, they've they've held five of their last opponents below 100 points. Um, according to the Spurs' um, you know, PR guy, Jordan um, Howenstein, this is the Spurs are the only team to do that this season to hold five straight opponents below 100. I mean, and this is a team without Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, all these guys. So it's yeah. just a really good stretch for them defensively. Um, one of the hallmarks of, of Coach Pop's defense over the years, you know, dating back to when Tim Duncan was on the team and Dave Robinson, all these guys, was always trying to hold a, a team to 25 or fewer points in a quarter. You know, basically you know, the, the goal being hold them below 100. Now. The Spurs have done that in 15 of 24 quarters doing this homestand. So that's 63% of their quarters they're holding the team to 25 or below. Now, to be a dominant defensive team, you want to hold the team, your opponent, below 20 points in a quarter. And the Spurs have done that five times during this 24-quarter um, stretch in their in their uh, six-game homestand. Uh, and then in, in one specific game, the Clippers game, they hold the Clippers to 10 points in a quarter. That's just mean. <laughs> I mean, um, That's just suffocating defense. Uh you know, offensively, what are they doing well? They're first in half-court offense right now, so they're just executing teams to death. Uh, the, the, the funny thing is they're still playing the same style. They haven't changed offensively. They're still 30th in, in rim attempts, they're 30th in three-point attempts, and they're first in mid-range attempts. Uh, their free throw rate has increased a little bit. They're, they're up to 10th during the homestand. Now, what's changed, though, for them offensively is that they're shooting lights out. They're top five in all statistical categories when it comes to accuracy from those three areas of the floor. Now, the biggest thing is, like you mentioned, Mike, is their defense. Uh, this is where they're having their most improvement at home right now during the stand, the homestand. Um, they're sixth in the half court defensively, holding teams to 88.7 points for 100. 
One thing that's really changed is their first in um, limiting opponents' um, attempts at the rim, so frequency from the rim. Um, they're first right now. Uh, they're they're thirteenth in taking away the three point line from opponents, so so they're doing a great job there. And then what you do want to do in today's NBA is give teams the mid range, and they're doing that. They're thirtieth in mid range frequency, which is which is to be a good thing because you want your you want teams taking mid range shots. Um, uh, accuracy wise, they're 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 eleventh in accuracy at the rim for opponents, twenty uh, fourth in mid range accuracy, and fifth in three point accuracy. So defensively, they're playing really well. What have you seen? Um, you know, you could talk about offense or defense. What have you seen from them that you're really um, focusing on during this six game homestand? I think what I've noticed the most really is, is um, you know, obviously when you're playing against some of these teams, they've got, you know, the, the players and the superstar players. But what they've done a really good job at is, is the bench the scoring is they've limited bench scoring in almost every game. And then it seems like they there's one there's like almost one starter that's a normal like double digit starter every game that they're uh, finding a way to limit them. And, and, you know, they're getting the points from everywhere else. But I guess that's kind of hurting that team offensively when they can't find that player that they're normally... I think against the Jazz, it was like Joe Ingles, and uh, the other night against the Bulls, it was... Um, gosh, I think it was uh, like Holiday, who they had just gotten a, a really good game from like two games before, and they were able to limit him. And so those are, I guess, just the small things. So I, I what I like is that it's extending beyond just the, the starting group, and it's going... Uh, into the bench as well, and that they're able to sustain that defense, um, you know, when that second unit comes in. Yeah, and, uh, you know, another player just to throw in there is uh, Joel Embiid just last night. Yeah. You know, he, he had 13 points, but on 17 shots. So you're right, they're taking away some of the the, off- the opposing team's best scorers. And I think on, on the bench part, you have a good point too, because, you know, I wrote my um, – my 30 game evaluation on Monday mm-hmm. and there were only three players that have a net rating, you know, better than the team when they're on the floor. And that's Rudy Gay, who's a starter, but also Davis Bertans off the bench and uh, Jakob Pertle. So those guys specifically are coming in and they're just, um, you know, they're, they're being efficient on both ends of the floor better than the team is usually uh, when they're not on the floor. Uh, and Poppy was very complimentary of uh, Davis Bertans even last night against Philly, where he says that Davis, you know, Davis has no conscience when he shoots the ball. He just, you know, that he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't get, um, you know, he doesn't get held back from a, any kind of shooting slump. But what Pop credited him for is his defense and rebounding. He says that, you know, if Davis continues to play like this, he goes, I have to play him. Like he has to find minutes for him. And you're seeing that Patty Mills has been great back in his role off the bench. You know, you got Bellinelli, who's, you know, you know, hot or cold in some nights, but he's been really good during this homestand. So I think you have a good point there. Some other notes I wrote, Mike, um, considering the defense is what I'm watching schematically what they're doing um, and why it's happening is uh, they're switching a lot more. And I think a guy who needs to get credit for this is Rudy Gay. And this is where I wanted to bring up Rudy Gay. Mm-hmm. It's his defense on switching where, you know, he's playing the four next to LaMarcus at the five. And anytime they, they, they get they get Rudy Gay to pick and roll the opponent or, or some sort of, um, you know, off-ball screen, Rudy's, Rudy's switching quicker onto guards and he's guarding them. And, you know, he's playing pretty well against them. And so you've seen a lot of that perimeter offense from opposing teams starting to drop and wing, you know, scoring. So I really think that Rudy Gay's uh, not getting enough credit for his way of um, being able to switch and almost be like, a, you know, how Draymond Green can kind of hold the Warriors together with his defense um, on that end and keep them, you know, as, as one complete, you know, um, unit. Uh, I also wanted to, to, to talk about Jakob Perto and, and Aldridge's um, pick-and-roll defense. You know, Pop has continued to just kind of just keep that system like the, we saw the Spurs have against the Rockets a few years in the playoffs where he specifically wants those two players to drop back on pick-and-rolls 
and either be ready for help defense at the rim, try to deter teams from from shooting at the rim, and instead taking a lot of mid-range. And you're seeing that. I mean, the data shows it. Teams are taking 42% of their shots in, in the mid-range right now, and a lot of that is because Jakob and, and Aldridge are, 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 take, are, not, are not letting them get to the rim, and they're specifically saying, hey, you want to beat us from mid-range? Beat us from mid-range. And it's not working well for a lot of teams. Like, like you just mentioned, Mike, with some of the opposing scorers, I think the one guy who, who liked it, because he's a good mid-range shooter, is uh, Chris Dunn, and, and the Spurs did oh, yeah. and have a tough time with Killed him. Them. Yeah, because he specifically, I looked at his numbers, um, and he, he's actually a good mid-range shooter. He's, he's above league average um, from that area, so he actually prefers to shoot from mid-range. So in that one scenario, you know, it didn't work out well. But when you play guards and, and wings who like to shoot from three or get to the rim, that's a really good defense from taking that away from them. Um, and then, yeah, and then that's and then also I just noted like communication. I mean, they're talking to each other. They're uh, you could just tell that that they're more prideful on that end. They're getting upset when somebody gets an easy basket against them. The whole team. Um, and I think that my, my question is is you know for you is 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 this um, something they can sustain and take onto the road because I, I basically I'm asking is it real or not? What we've seen from the Spurs in these six games, the six game homestand. And the reason why I ask that is because. They have shown us some fool's gold of this earlier in the season. There was a time frame from October 27th through November 10th where they had seven games, and in six of those games they had you know over a 70th percentile of defensive efficiency. So we had thought that they were going to be one of the better defensive teams at that point early on, and then the, you know, obviously we know that they fell apart in November, most of November. So what do you think, Mike? Do you think that, that, that they've done enough now to where this might be something real that they can take with them going um, you know, back onto the road? Yeah, it's a hard call because I mean, while while they've done well, and you can, I think you can see like marked improvement defensively, like you mentioned on on the switches and just the way they've been able to limit uh, certain players and and everything like that. But but I want to see. I mean, obviously they they were able to do that against the Lakers, but I think next week when they've got two games against the Nuggets and they've got the Celtics a few games after that. That'll probably and then the Raptors will be uh, in town shortly after that. I mean, that's probably going to be a two tests. How was they able to do that against uh, some teams that are ranked a little higher? And those are all teams that are ranked, you know, probably, I think Nuggets are first right now. Raptors are first. Celtics are probably around third in the East. So if they can do that against teams like that, then I'll know what's real. But it, it, it's one of those things where I, I see it, but it's, it's I don't know if you want to buy into it all the way just yet because I'd like to see it come against some better competition. Against the 76ers, that was just an insane game. The Clippers, they kind of clocked the Clippers when... You know, before that game, the Clippers had been doing well, and they got into a bit of a funk. So, you know, I, I just kind of want to see it against a, a better quality opponent, and that I think you'll be able to tell for sure. Yeah, well, for me, mine's not really about the quality opponent. I think mine's more so, um, can they do it on the road? Because that's the biggest question. I mean, look, the road stats are horrible. Uh, they're, they're 30th dead last in defensive efficiency on the road, um, giving up 117.7 points for 100. They're 4-10 and 10 overall on the road as their record goes. So I really want to see it. Can they take this type of defense? Maybe not be as good, not be top ten like they are at home um, right now, or like uh, you know as they're dominating teams at home. But at least show you know can you be at least be league average on the road? That's what, that's my biggest concern is can they do that? And so far they haven't shown up to this point, so they'll get their first chance on Wednesday uh, uh, against Orlando. Um, and you know something to watch too is that they can't just rely on these home games because they only have twenty four home games left after after you know last night's win against Philly. But they still have 27 road games, you know, ahead of them. So they still have more road games than they do home games. So that's in that that they can't just rely on, you know, just getting all the wins from home and not on the road. Okay, Mike, let's go on to our third topic, and that's uh, Lamarcus Aldridge's improvement. You know, this week on Monday, the NBA uh, announced, you know, their their player, their Western Conference Player of the Week winner, and it was James Harden. However, 
LaMarcus Aldridge was one of the nominees, and it was his first time being in the nomination. Now, DeRozan's had a few nominations as well earlier in the season, but LaMarcus is playing really well, specifically in December. So here's a few stats uh, just to talk about his efficiency and how well he's playing. Um, There's a stat on cleaningtheglass.com called points per shot attempt. So it's basically taking in your field goal attempts from the field plus your free throw attempts and making it out of every 100 shot attempts. Now, LaMarcus, you know, early on, he did not have a good start to the season. In in October, only two of his seven games was he above league average for a big in points per shot attempt. Then in November, it got even worse. He was th- he only had three out of 15 games where he was above league average for a big in points per shot attempt. Now in December, he's turned it around. In seven of his nine games, he's above league average right now in December uh, from the points per shot attempt. You look at his, his, at his scoring numbers, uh, 20.6 points in October, 44% shooting. Then in November, it fell down to 16.5 points, 43% shooting. Now, right now in December through nine games, 21.6 points scoring, 61% shooting. And, you know, his net rating is obviously at, at the best it's ever been. Um, all, of his, all of his shooting statistics have finally gone above league average. Uh, rim accuracy, he's 66%, so 53rd percentile. Post-up range, that, that post area he likes to use, uh, close to the basket, that's about 42%. He's making those shots, which is 63, 63rd percentile or 63rd. And then last one is the long mid-range, his shot that he likes to take. You could just tell he's way more comfortable. He's not hesitating anymore. He's making 39% of those looks, which are in the 50th percentile. Um, my question for you, Mike, is this one, though. It ha- has LaMarcus finally found his rhythm that he can take forward into the season, or, or was this more so about being at home for majority of December games? And here's why I say that. In, at home this season, he's scoring 20.8 points. However, on the road, he's only scoring 16 and a half points. So that's almost like a five-point difference. What do you think about LaMarcus this December? Yeah, I mean, if you look at December, the road versus home, obviously there's a big difference. Cause, and then there's like, what, maybe two games that have been on the road. And that was a Utah game where he was only able to put up 16. And then against the Lakers, he had 21. But, I mean, I, I like what I see. And I think, yeah, I think that definitely this is, he is starting to get to a place to where he can move forward because... Um, the one other thing I'm saying is that he's not playing a he's not playing a ton of minutes like he usually does, and he's still able to score the way he has been and rebound. His his rebound numbers the past two games are up because they were looking pretty bleak there for um, for most of the month really, and um, he's raised those a bit. I mean he's gotten a few blocks, but um, it looks like without having to play him so many except for that Chicago game, without having to play him so many minutes and and put his body through all that. This early, he's still able to contribute to the way he has, and and um, so I, I think so. He just looks more comfortable out there, and it just seems like early on he just he was just trying to find his place again. It was just one of those things where obviously new new uh, teammate, um, a lot of new faces, and everything changes. And I think the whole team was going through that, and he was as well. And I feel like he's finally starting to find kind of his rhythm and and his place in the offense a little bit more. Yeah, and you know, I, I, that's actually a good point about the minutes. I was actually, you're, you're right. He's actually playing his less, his least amount of minutes per game in, in the month of December, and a lot of that has to do with the Spurs winning, you know, pretty comfortably getting blowout wins. He's been able to sit out fourth quarter, so maybe he is a lot more fresh. I think it, um, two other factors, uh, like you mentioned, you know, he just knows his role now. Uh, something that, this, that Pop mentioned last night was that the, the Spurs are starting to find mismatches on offense, and they're really starting to attack that and I mean, attack those mismatches. And one specific example last night was. Uh, 
was um, Mike Muscala. When he went onto the floor, Pop made sure, run four down for LaMarcus, make sure that you get him the ball. And he really um, you know, went, went right at it, Muscala. And he's finding specific players to target. I think having Derek White play with him more often is getting him some of those high-low type of feeds under the rim where he gets comfortable under the rim. So he's having a really good uh, month. I think also there's a little bit of a fire lit under, underneath him because of what happened with uh, in that situation in that Lakers game uh, at home where he where Pop specifically, I talked about this last week on the Spurs cast, where he put Jakob Pertle in the fourth quarter and didn't bring LaMarcus back into the game. Yeah. And why? Because for when LaMarcus does his post-up, you know, take, take you know he takes the time off the clock. It's easier for defenses to, to, to double-team him. It's easier for defenses to shrink the floor. Whereas Jakob is a, is a low efficiency big who just sets screens, sets picks, you know, crashes the glass. He doesn't need the ball. He doesn't take up time on, on the clock on offense. And so in that specific game, you saw that LaMarcus had to sit out that fourth quarter to help the, so that the Spurs could win. So I really think that he knows, too, that, hey, if I'm not efficient, then Pop might might sit me. And, you know, and obviously he doesn't want that that, that happening right. to him again because that was the last time it happened. So, uh, yeah, those are all some, some good factors as to why uh, LaMarcus is doing this. And, uh, again, watch. we got to see, though, can he do this on the road where, like I, I mentioned, there's almost a five-point differential in, in the amount of points he scores back on the road. All right, Mike, so for our last topic, let's go ahead and um, we're going to preview a bunch of games. And the reason why we're going to do that, Spurs Cast listeners, is because, uh, you know, the, obviously, you know, the holidays are coming up pretty soon. Christmas uh, is coming up next week. And I, I'm and then, you know, I'll be out of town and there's just a lot of plans going on with our writers and everybody. So... So we're going to go ahead and, and re- go through seven specific games that are coming up for the Spurs, and then I'll be back to record in 2019, uh, probably right after New Year's Eve. So I'll be, I'll be back to record the Spurs cast. Um, let's go ahead and go to the first game, Mike, and that's Wednesday at Orlando. We mentioned that. Uh, the Magic are 8-8 eight and eight at home. They're playing with the efficiency of a 34-win team. <clears throat> They're 27th on offense at home and 15th on defense. The Spurs on the road are playing like a 23-and-a-half-win team. They are. They have a four and ten record, like we mentioned. They're ninth offensively on the road and thirtieth defensively on the road. Who do you have on Wednesday in Orlando? Yeah, I've got the Spurs on this one. Uh, you know they've got. To, if they're coming off of that seventy sixes win, Orlando seems like I'm not sure if they know what their identity is yet. And Aaron Gordon, who's normally a guy that you kind of fear going to these type of games, has been having a few bad games. So um, I think three straight now where he's just or he got to ten one one game and was under ten the last two. So. Um, yeah, I've got the Spurs winning that one. Okay, I'm with you too. I got the Spurs, and again, I think that San Antonio's playing really well. And this is going to be a really early test to see can they take that defensive intensity onto the road in, in this specific game, especially with since Orlando beat them in the AT&T Center pretty badly um, early on in the season. Then, Mike, the Spurs play on Friday. Uh, they host the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Wolves are not good on the road. They're 2-12 and by record on the road. Uh, they're, they're playing with the efficiency of a 22.6 win team. They're 15th offensively on the road and 27th defensively. Who do you have in this one? This, this is one I'm, I'm kind of back and forth on, but I, 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 I'm leaning towards Minnesota. They've, they've had a few problems lately, but you know, the Kings are 20 because normally when I think about the Kings and I'm just like, Oh, they beat the Kings. Oh, no big deal. Well, but they actually, the Kings were actually looking pretty decent this year and they were able to yeah, beat them pretty, for sure. pretty badly. Um, uh, last night, 132 to 105. And so I think they're, Coming out of that one, and they've got another one against the Pistons. It's probably winnable for them. So yeah, that's that's one, especially with the, the matchups. And as good as Minnesota looks now on defense, even after trading with Jimmy Butler, somehow they look better on defense. Um, I think that might be might uh, have uh, present some problems for the Spurs. So you're taking Minnesota in that game? Yeah. 
Okay. I'm still I'm still a believer in, in this Spurs defense at home, especially in the AT&T Center. And, you know, the Spurs, even though it was with Jimmy Butler, they do have a win against Minnesota in the AT&T Center. Um, I'm going to go to take San Antonio. I feel like San Antonio is a different team there at home. And I, I don't know if I, – I just – the data shows that Minnesota, you know, could only win two games on the road. It's not very good right now on the road. Um, so then, Mike, on Saturday, the Spurs have a back-to-back. Uh, they go to Houston to play the Rockets. The Rockets are 8-5 and five at home, playing like a 42-win team at home. 11th offensively and 28th defensively. Who do you have in that game? Yeah, and I have a feeling there's back-to-back because you and I are probably going to be flipped on this one, but I, I've got the Spurs in this one. The Rockets are surging right now. They've won their last four, uh, but I mean, still, it still seems like they every once in a while they have trouble finding offense, and, and they I think they lean way too heavily on James Harden right now, and they don't have enough. I mean, even Eric Gordon was having some problems, and he was vocal about you know uh, the role and the way people were being played. So I think they've still got some issues to work out, and I think uh, the Spurs should come away with the win there. Okay, yeah, you're right. We are going to have a different opinion on this. And I'm going with the Rockets in this one. I just feel like being at home, they have, they have, you know, they're, they're a lot more productive. Uh, I, I do think that the Spurs have a, have trouble with, with a team that has that high volume of threes that, that get shot against their mid-range type offense. And, it, again, it'll come down to can the Spurs at least play a good defensive game like they have done once against Houston when they, when they beat them early on in the season. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Rockets, though, in that one. Then Mike, um, on that uh, by a week, you know, a week from 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 then, uh, the Spurs will play. Uh, they'll host the Denver Nuggets. Um, the Nuggets are eight and six on the road. They are playing like a forty-four point five win team on the road. They have the sixteenth ranked offense and sixth ranked defense on the road. Who do you have in that one in San Antonio? Yeah, the Nuggets have really impressed me this year. So I'm going with them because I think they should have Paul Millsap by then. Um, I don't think Gary. I don't think Bill Burton will be back until probably the following week, but. <clears throat> the Nuggets somehow have found a way, even with all their injuries, to still chug along, still pick up their wins, and they've gotten some really big wins lately. Um, so yeah, I think that they've they've got the Spurs number in this one. I I I think you're going to be right, and and I I'm actually I'm picking the Spurs because I, I already did you know I, I put put my picks already, but I really feel like this is one where the the numbers are really going to be tested because statistically the Nuggets are a better team even on the road. Uh, than, than the Spurs should be at, at home, but uh, I really feel like there's there's like a change in San Antonio specifically and how they're playing right now when they are at home. So I'm going to go ahead and take San Antonio in that one. Um, then Mike, the Spurs uh, travel to Denver on Friday next week. Uh, the Nuggets at home are just dominant. They're 12 and three at home, playing like a 66.9 win team. They're third offensively and fifth defensively. Who do you have in that one? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> people are going to hate me on this on this one, but um. And really, it's it's going to be a game of adjustments. I trust Pop to be more to to do to I guess to have the better uh, adjustments uh, from game to game than Mike Malone. But the and the Nuggets are just too good at home. They've just been. I think what did you say? They dropped like three games so far at home all season. Yeah, that's like that? it. Just three games, twelve and three. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that's just insane, and and that's going to be a, a tough task. And you know, one one day rest in between, you're going to that higher altitude. Yeah, I think that's going to be. Um, I have a feeling they're going to drop both of those games. Okay, I'm with you there. There, I picked Denver for sure. All those, you know, just just being at home, uh, like you mentioned, the, the higher altitude, and then you know, I'm not sure yet if that Spurs defense even travels on the road. So I'm taking Denver in that game. Uh, then, Mike, the Spurs have another back to back. That following Saturday, they they go to the the Clippers, uh, Los Angeles against the Clippers. Now at home, the Clippers are nine and four, uh, playing like a 45 win team, 17th offensively and 22nd defensively at home. Who do you have in that one? Yeah, I've got the Spurs on this one. Uh, if I feel like the, the Clippers at one point were doing really well, but they've really they're trending down now. They've lost their last four, and um, I don't know when 
uh, Williams is going to be back, but I mean, obviously that would probably play on too a little bit, but I, I still don't think it'll be enough. If, I feel like the Spurs have their number. Okay, uh, this is the one that I, I was probably most conflicted, just because, um, you know, they're, they're, I think they are going to lose the, the Friday at Denver, and you don't want the Spurs to, you know, I just don't see them losing back-to-back games, but I just felt like, you know, everything didn't shake out for them, especially because of their road defense. I still don't trust it yet unless I see it. Um, you know, early on. So I'm going to go ahead and t- I actually took the Clippers in this one. So I really, you know, I scratched it out Spurs, Clippers, and I eventually landed <laughs> on the Clippers. So I'm taking the Clippers. Okay, Mike. And then the last one is New Year's Eve. The Spurs host the Boston Celtics for the first time. Boston is nine and eight this season on the road, playing like a 53 win team. 53 win team. They are 11th offensively on the road and fourth defensively. Who do you have on that in that game? Yeah, this is. I think this one was a tough one for me because. Just because Boston has done pretty well, but I feel like they still don't have everything worked out with their with the different roles. I mean, they they've gotten some they've they've shuffled things around quite a bit. Marks Mark starting and Hayward's coming off the bench, but I feel like they they still don't have everything set the way they'd like it to. And I know uh, Horford was out for a little bit a little while, so once they get every, all their pieces back, I mean, I, I think it'll take them a while to get adjusted. So I'm gonna go with the Spurs in this one. Okay, uh, I'm actually with you there. I, I picked the Spurs as well. Um, you know, I just feel again like San Antonio is a different team at, at home. I feel like the Celtics, uh, offensively specifically, they have had their issues. Um, you know, trying to trying to figure out the chemistry and you know where where they're playing well. I mean, what works well for them. So we actually ended up with the same prediction. We That's we crazy. both think they're going to go four and three, but we think obviously we we think they're going to lose lose and win different types of games. Now, Mike, your record on the Spurs cast because like I, I mentioned, you haven't been on much this year, but you're you're one and two, so you want to you know that would help you out the four and three. And then I'm I'm twelve and fourteen. That Bulls game really threw me off in that Phoenix game <laughs> earlier this season. So um, yeah, so we'll see how we how we both uh, go with our predictions. Um, thank you, thank you, Mike, for joining me on, on SpursCast episode 522. SpursCast listeners, just a few last reminders. Uh, visit ProjectSpurs.com. Um, over in the Spurs prospect watch, Benjamin Bornstein wrote about 6'8 forward um, from Gonzaga, Rui uh, Hakimura. Uh, so, so there's that, that prospect watch from Ben. Uh, Steven Anderson has a piece called Spurs Route 76ers to close out homestand win. So, so Steven writes about that, that last game against the 76ers where the Spurs um, blew them out. And then my last piece was the uh, 2018-19 Spurs 10-game evaluation volume 3. Uh, that I put up on Monday, so you can check that out as well. And then lastly, just uh, don't forget to uh, rate us and review, uh, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. And uh, for Michael DeLeon, I'm Paul Garcia. Have a great holiday uh, week next week, and we'll be back with you, the Spurs cast, after New Year's Eve um, in January 2019.